0: This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissick. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissick. And a big shout-out to one of our special podcast partners, <laughs> Dex.com. They wear receipt bank, they've been through a great rebound. There's a lot of great stuff going on there,
1: Martin, isn't there, a Dex? You know what, Rob, I always speak to accounting firms about having a strong, uh, clearly articulated value proposition really early on in their messaging you know as soon as you see that firm it tells you something when i go to Dex.com, that's dext.com it says right in front of me we make accountants and bookkeepers and the businesses you advise more productive profitable and powerful with better data and insights those three illustrative p's there productive, profitable and powerful. What a great clear value proposition. So as accounting pr- practitioners listening to this, if you're looking to make your firm more productive, profitable and powerful, not just for you, but for the businesses you advise, go to dext.com, that's dex com and start a free trial or book a demo. Love that, Dext
0: gives you more time and better data to advise on your clients' businesses. So your accountants get over to dext.com, thank you. Welcome to the Leaders in Accounting podcast, and this is where I get the opportunity to interview thinkers, leaders, practitioners, people throughout the world that are blazing a trail, doing something a little bit different, are really passionate about what they're doing, sharing in that with our accounting and fintech influencer audience. And I'm thrilled to have with me today, Mr. Jeremy Van Groel from Wisconsin. Good day, sir.
2: Good day to you, Rob. Thanks for having me.
0: Great to have you on the show, Jeremy. For people that haven't come across you, tell us what you do.
2: Sure. So uh, yeah, obviously we do bookkeeping and accounting for nonprofits, really dedicated to that niche. That's where our passion is. And really the whole gambit from transactional, I like to say blocking and tackling bookkeeping, all the way to pseudo CFO services, if that's what they need to support them wherever they are on their journey.
0: And you've come onto our radar because you're starting to pop your head up and appear on more, more and more shows. You're clearly on a crusade. You've got a message put out there. You've got a noble cause. Tell us how this makes a difference to nonprofits, nonprofits what you do.
2: Yeah. Great question. So um, no secret that nonprofits are historically stretched thin and not abundant in resources, right? Whether it's time, people, funding, all that. And the the one of the biggest pieces that we can help them with is the time piece or the people piece and get a lot of that financial side of things off their plate, get some efficiencies in there, and really free up their time to focus on their mission and building out their donors and their revenue sources. So really take that back office functions and and work on that for them and let them succeed in, in what they're doing.
0: You specialize in nonprofits. You made that decision to niche, as we say in the UK, you would call it niche. Tell us about what was going through your head when you made that strategic decision to niche for
2: them. Yeah. Well, I, I come a background um, of pretty hardcore financial analysis and accounting for about 15 years um, in the manufacturing realm. And in that realm, you are always worried about, you know, what is your profit makers? What how do we get the data in to make strategic decisions and well business decisions so we can move our organization forward? Right. And that piece I feel has been neglected a bit on the nonprofit side. Uh, really, th- there's a lot of focus on the nonprofit word as compliance, and that's important, right? Like, we all need to make sure that I's are dotted, T's are crossed, things are in place where they should be to be compliant with all of the laws and things that are out there. Stay out of jail, right? Stay out of jail, right? We all want that, right? And controls got to be in place, whole nine yards, right? All of this is very important. But I feel, however, in that nonprofit realm, that that gets... A little bit over it, overstressed at the expense of having good insight around their information to be able to make good decisions for the overall organization. So that's where I like to say, like, what what information do you not have now that would would move you guys forward. What, what questions are your board asking that you do not aren't able to answer at this point and know all these things and build the financial function around that, being able to answer these questions and give you good information to make those decisions. And yes, the compliance piece will be there, but you know, 90% of our clients are probably higher than that, engage with an accountant for their review or audit every year as well. And you might need to move things around in order for that to be perfectly aligned to gap and all of the intricacies in whatever the accounting law is however have that information that you can use day to day to really succeed and increase that impact that you're having with your mission
0: and this is the challenge for good CPAs good accountants in practice that they move beyond the compliance we know there's downward pressure on compliance fees that side of the business is becoming less valued by the client so you're talking about the advisory stuff aren't you the additional services the consulting the strategic side of your advice
2: right yeah and and i feel like that's really where myself and my team who are amazing shine is like we get involved with their day-to-day management on things, right? You see so many of the accounting firms that swoop in at the end of the month, grab some data and throw them some reports or are involved annually. However, you know, again, getting in that into the weeds with them, understanding like what is really important, what is the information that they need and being that responsive financial partner and soundboard for them uh, has been able to, Allow us to provide amazing value. Give
0: us a definition of nonprofit, Jeremy. We're over here in the UK. We're an international podcast. We've got 25,000 listeners all over the world, predominantly in North America and Europe. We we use charities a lot, but nonprofit is a phrase here. So let's just define terms for us so we're all on the same page.
2: Yeah, to me, it is a great question on getting to the brass tacks there, but it's an organization that is not owned specifically by an entity. Nor exists in order to profit from it or develop revenue over expenses for that. You know, I like to say that it's not transferable um, and it's also something that's devoted to a mission. And there is a lot of people early in their nonprofit journey that think because it's a nonprofit, you can't make money. That is not true at all. As long as all of your funds are dedicated to go towards your mission, uh, you are available to build reserves and have those for your organization. Um, so that's where we try to get that focus is no, we don't want to be break even every time you want to build those reserves, make sure that you have excess funds. And so like, I think nonprofit can be a little. A little bit deceiving there.
0: Extra points for use of the term "brass tax." Well, that's a very good English phrase. Our English listeners will, <laughs> will really get that one. Talk to us about the difference between a, a CEO or leader of a nonprofit and a general business CEO in terms of what the accountant does and, and works with them on. They've got a different mindset, haven't they? Different. Yeah, way
2: of yeah. It. I think like its stakeholders really are hugely different. So if you're thinking about the executive director or leader of a nonprofit. You don't just have owners that you're trying to create value and deliver a return on, right? You have the board that has fiduciary responsibility for the organization. You have your volunteers and staff that you're trying to help them. I know I'm big on that and developing our team. You want them to not just do good towards the organization, but also build out their professional and personal careers. And then you have the mission and the mission should be the overarching thing. That you're always going back to and focusing on so how are you having an impact how are you efficiently delivering on that mission and how and like where we come in is talk about like how can we use the funds that you have to be efficient on increasing that impact so it's always not just financial either the big other piece that we can work into things is the statistical stuff so like is it lives impacted is it you know plants put in the ground if that's what it is you know whatever that specific thing is Uh, That may be just important to a lot of your stakeholders as the dollars and cents. And so having that information to tell that right story to your end user of the information is really the key.
0: We can't ignore the crazy times that we're in right now. We're coming out of a pandemic. Hopefully, we're seeing that off. But there's been some very vulnerable people. Uh, A lot of things have gone wrong. Uh, A lot of people have suffered. The need for nonprofits, people with a, a good heart, a noble cause, willing to make a difference, not trying to make money from it. You must find that the nonprofit sector is getting bigger right now with so much to do and so many people to take care of.
2: Yeah, I agree. And it was it's a little bit of a weird time too, depending on what your mission is. So we have several of our clients that really are focused on delivering basic needs, resources to those in need. And um, some of them really well-funded, some of them not so much. But with the whole pandemic, there was this just slew of money getting thrown into the Uh, economy and thrown into these organizations and the general public uh, as far as government support and things like that. So a lot of them had their demand for their services drop significantly. And so then that's a whole nother challenge that they have. It's like, hey, we, yeah, we're maybe looking good financially now and our donations have stayed stagnant. However, our need or our demand has gone down. So what do we do with this inflow of money that we have now? We have more revenue coming in than we typically have for uh, or equal revenue coming in but less expenses because we're not out there to help. How do we pivot shift, uh, the pivot word has been used way too often, but shift our resources to be able to expand our impact or find the people that aren't getting these government programs. So it, again, it, true leadership has really shown through where you know like, hey, just because all these other people are getting these government programs doesn't mean that we can sit back on our heels and just go with it and build up reserves. How do we get down to that next level? How do we find the people that still need this? So yeah, that's been an interesting, interesting thing.
0: And you're not just an accountant or an advisor to these organizations, you're a a, a virtual or in-situ CFO, aren't you? You get in there and roll your sleeves up and help them out on a daily, weekly basis.
2: Yeah, there's there's several of them that we have. And, and again, we kind of run the whole gamut. We have some of the other ones that just need the day-to-day stuff, but there's other ones that really needed a financial guidance and higher level than that. And yeah, that's where we try to get in and, and figure out the goals, right? So if, if they're you know, medium term on their journey at the nonprofit, but their biggest goal is, hey, we want to build out an endowment. So we have our administrative costs, 100% 100% covered with this endowment within the next five years, then how do we map that out? What is that required from donors? Can we give that to your uh, development staff and say, here's some messaging that we can help put around that? Um, and also where should that money be? So as far as like investments, what's your window, right? That you're gonna want those, those funds coming out. Is it best to have it really liquid? Should you be investing that a little bit further? All that stuff. So yeah, we try to give, Any kind of the financial advice that they're looking at, um, again, really based on where they are.
0: We've had a few CFO experts, uh, heads of CFO communities on the show recently. And uh, there's been talk of there are different types of CFOs. For instance, there's a strategic one who's almost the right hand of the CEO with oversight of a lot of areas. There's that fundraising CFO who is responsible for putting the provision behind the vision, if you like. And then there's that operational CFO that might be running finance teams and other things. Do you distinguish between those different roles as well in what you do?
2: We we try to. I mean, I think it comes pretty clear early in the engagement process, the level of financial acumen that each person has, right? And, and by no means judging, right? There are a lot of, like I could not be a development director. I'd be an okay operations person, all that stuff. But you can tell... And, and most of it, the reason we love the nonprofit niche is they're honest and they're caring, right? They will flat out tell you, like, I am not a financial genius. This is where I struggle. They're very, very a high level of candor that you'll give you very early um, and, and fully admit where they need your help, which is a huge benefit to us that we're not they're not trying to uh, avoid the topic or seem like they're less knowledgeable than they should be in that aspect. Which I think you get more on the business side because it's closer like it's your money right you want to make sure you know what you're talking about all of that so yeah i mean i think and it depends what their background is so if they came up through the development side they'll be really good on the donor management side if they came up on the operation side they're really good there so it's really figuring out what that uh what the holes are and where do we need to plug them in with some of our our assistance and our our special expertise
0: you're a very passionate guy jeremy that comes across what do you love most about what you
2: do Oh, it's people and the culture that we built. You know, I I had uh, a lot of fellow bookkeeper firm owners and all of them definitely have more problem clients than I have. We have almost none because we just won't. First of all, they don't exist as often in the nonprofit world. Um, again, you have people out there that are trying to devote their life to whatever this mission is and are extremely passionate about people, animals, plants, whatever that is, but extremely passionate people out there. And so then the focus really is on that, not are you cheating me out of taxes or did you not give me this thing exactly perfect? So I think I think that in itself is awesome. And then like we've built the culture within our organization to support that too, where it's nope, we come first, like your family comes first within our organization. And it's never been a problem with the clientele that we have having that. Like we have an expectation we get to them the next day on everything. However, just talk to them like, hey. I'm having a rough time. Um, my my son is ill right now. I'm not going to get back to you at the end of this week. That has almost never been an issue for us. So it's been, again, those people and the team that I have bringing it all together. It's just been an amazing journey that we've had uh, over the last six years or so since we we started this.
0: You're touching on the personal side of things there. We're looking after people who have their heart and soul their whole life, often their mortgage on the line, a lot of their own personal funds into a cause. So is it fair to say accountants, CPA, CFOs, they're not just financial professionals here? They are coaches, consultants, therapists, psychiatrists, friends, shoulders to cry on with their clients.
2: Yeah, I agree. And and I don't know, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to like overstate what we do, but there are a lot of our clients where like, I, I'll text the ED a couple times a week and send them pictures when my kid gets first place in his gymnastics meet for the weekend, right? And, you know, we'll tell each other like, hey, I'm going on vacation next week. Hey, I want to see pictures of that. Um, I, I think that that is huge. And, and you just get to be, again, you get to be friends. So like they're not in that nonprofit role to become a millionaire and build out a business and cash out or whatever that is, pass it along with the legacy. They're really in there because they're passionate about the role. And then you can come in there and support that and just connect on a whole different level than I think you can in a lot of other industries. And also like the nonprofit community notoriously is not paid near what you would get in healthcare or in manufacturing or anything like that. So again, you have people who are who are higher prioritizing the things they're passionate about versus financial gain. So I think that makes a big difference too.
0: Accountants listening will think, well, it sounds great, Jeremy. I would love to have clients like that, that I can almost call friends and family that don't bitch and moan and whine about things. But how do you create a business around that? How do you be profitable? These people haven't got much money. They can't really afford the premium advisory services that I want to be giving them. So how can you be profitable? What would you say to them?
2: I that, that, that's a fair point. I think I don't believe I will ever be able to build a margin quite to the level of a cutthroat, high servicing accounting firm, but I think I'm okay with that too. And there are also, you know, you can't, you can't service everyone, right? Like, so someone just starting their nonprofit where they're, they're out there hustling. You know, when I was in a similar position, I took on those clients. Thankfully, we've been able to grow with them. However, that's not always the right bit. And we will tell you like, I will meet with anyone and give them suggestions on a consultation call. That's absolutely free. Here's what I would focus on right now. And then when you get to the level that you've at $100,000 revenue or wherever that, that, that threshold is where you need higher financial management, then you need to get someone else involved. Um, but there are some other nonprofits out there that are really well organizations that have hugely passionate donor structures or donor networks set up and make a lot of money for that organization to donate to their mission and not having a well-paid high level of business acumen, financial person to support that makes that less, I don't know, less effective, less Doable over the long term, right? So they, they're going to need to have that in place. And the, the other piece with the nonprofits is getting the board to understand that too. Typically, if you have a really good board and you have someone in there that is a CPA as a treasurer or was a vice president of finance and at a some kind of for-profit firm, they know the value that a good financial person can provide to that. And also they realize that they likely do not know the intricacies of nonprofits. So if you know the intricacies of nonprofits like we do and have that financial acumen, they can quickly see like, hey, I've never had this blush of information or be able to answer these questions. Can you do that for me? Yes, we can. Here's how we do that. Here's how I need the rest of the team to support it. So I think that that is a big consideration in that as well.
0: This is great, Jeremy. What advice would you give to accounting firm owners, leaders listening that are thinking of getting into the nonprofit game? they like the sound of it, they want to dip their toes in, maybe they've got a few nonprofit clients, but they're wondering about going all in, if you like, with the nonprofit sector, what would you say to them?
2: Yeah, I mean, just first of all, like find a, a cause that you are passionate in and get in the board, right? Even if it's just whatever, it doesn't have to be the treasure right away, anything like that, but get on a board, make sure that you start to understand just the overall um, intricacies of the staff versus the board versus the volunteers versus the impact you're trying to do—all of that and how that all works together—and just have that reiterate or that experience and have that reiterate that you really want like to go down this path. And then if that if that holds true and you want to make that journey, to me, I, I did that. My wife has been in nonprofit realm her whole life, um, that helped me. But however, I just grabbed a bunch of books, right? Like found some novels that you know. Teach you, talk to you about how these are set up, financial management for nonprofits, um, connect with local leaders. Uh, Steve Zimmerman is a big one around here that's in the Milwaukee area. Um, found some of his information. Just go find those resources, um, and then it's going out and being in in all the right places. Right, join your join your um, centers of commerce, whatever other kind of networking type groups you have. Just about everybody out there in every region has a. Uh, key demographic or a key group of people that are extremely philanthropic, I can't think of it. High in philanthropy. <laughs> but, um, you know, start talking to those people and say, hey, I want to do this. Where do you see this need out there? And there's also a lot of other financial institutions where they have a big, uh, big market within nonprofits. Start to talk to them. Like, if you know a banker that has a lot of nonprofit clients, talk to them. Say, say, what are you seeing? All that. So it's really kind of just getting out there initially, teaching yourself and hustling. I'm thinking, too,
0: of I actually that question aimed at the leaders who can make decisions on the strategic direction of a firm and the kind of clients that they take on. I was speaking recently to a top 10 uh, firm here in the UK, the managing partner thereof, and asking him about the talent situation. We know that people are leeching out of accounting. It's becoming less attractive for them. The great resignation and all that. So how does accounting become more attractive? And indeed, how do firms attract good talent? And he says, we like to give our people a say in the projects that they take on. So for those accountants, listen, that are lower down in the food chain, for want of a better phrase... And they've got something on their heart to take on a project, to clients, some pro bono work, something like that. This managing partner would say, "Tell us what you're interested in, and we will get behind you with some time, with some resource to help you support those causes, those passions that you're really involved with." So. Those rank and file, they should be putting their heads up, saying to their leaders, their bosses, hey, I want to get stuck into this. Will you back me? Would you go along with that?
2: Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, I, I, I said that to all of my team and the ones that we work with. We try to get out there. It's been hard with the pandemic, but quarterly or three times a year, find one of our clients or a local nonprofit that one of us is passionate and go spend a day there, volunteer, learn more about them. But we're always open to that. Like, What is your passion? How do we support that? I think that's gotta be, again, part of your culture, right? Like, make sure that it, whatever's important to your employees is important to you, or even if you are an employee, get your employer to find out what's important to you, because especially right now with how hard talent is to find, if you're a talented person on that person's staff and they don't take that and run with it saying, hey, I would really like to be involved with that, there's almost always a way, even in, in a larger accounting firm, to make that profitable, right? If we can get into this market and you really like that, learn about it, bring it in, right? That should be something that's jumped on right away. Not only is it gonna help them, but it's gonna help make you happier, which also helps them, right? As an owner. Yeah.
0: Jeremy, we're gonna put your contact details in the show notes. Are you open to having a conversation with people out there that want to talk to you more about the stuff that you're doing?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, either either way. If you're if you're a nonprofit that needs the financial side, happy to talk to you too. Or if you have, you know, are at a accounting firm and thinking about, hey, I'd like to go on my own and and support the nonprofit sector, I would love to chat with you and I'll tell you all the Again, 99% good and the 1% bad. Um, yeah, I'd love to love to be in help.
0: Great. It's lovely that you would do that. We're going to finish with a question that we're starting to ask a lot of our guests looking ahead to the future. What would you say are the four or five key skills or attributes that accountants need to separate the good ones from the great? There's a we're entering some tough times, we know that, and accountants they do want to make a difference. So, what
2: skills and attributes do you feel they're going to need? I mean, I think as far as skills with servicing the clients, like the more that you can connect with them on non-business stuff, right? What are their goals? What are their their future aspirations? Where do they want their business to be or their nonprofit to turn into? Um, I think that that is such a huge piece of it, going beyond it. Um, and I think that notoriously accountants and, and uh, joke with that, but notoriously accountants aren't really great at making that connection. The fact that I encourage our team to do that, I think, makes us sticky, like where we don't lose clients, right? Like we're in there, and and just because we care, and they care about us, and all of that. So I think that is one piece. I also think, especially if you are a owner, partner, whatever of a firm, it's more important to me, and I have way benefited more in my own practice um, networking for employees versus networking for clients, right? I think through marketing channels and all that, and it may be just because of the again the tight labor market, but having those connections of employees and getting the people that hey I've made this amazing business come on join me um that's gotten us to go from from where you know me as a one-man shop to to building out we're at you know a whole bunch of people now um that's rocketed me up there with something if you don't have the trust in the people and the skill set and know all that um I think that really kind of slows down your journey and then um I think the last one is just be always learning right and I mean that's a cliche. But I, I, I'm i a big one to say, I, I don't want to be the smartest one in the room ever, right? Like, and, and you hear that all the time too, but whatever you can glean, wherever you can figure out, um, you know, I, I didn't think about this, but this sounds really cool, whatever it's a new field, it's a new uh, source of revenue, whatever that is to dig into that. And if you're passionate about it, there is a way to bring that on and make it again, profitable for you, as well as building your resume, your expertise into a place that you're passionate about. That's
0: a great list to start with, Jeremy. Thank you so much for your time and your insights today. That's been amazing. Yeah,
2: no, thank you, sir. I really appreciate you inviting me on. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with
0: Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.